Well, the name of this show is Locked In, and apparently that's exactly what Malachi Nelson is to USC. Bummer. I was hoping that Muleshoe's uh, class would totally tank, and what, about two months ago, it looked like, hey, maybe there was an outside chance that that could happen. Malachi Nelson said, I guess recently to On3, quotes, I'm set, man. I'm ready to start finishing up this class. We've got a couple more pieces to fill and then get it in the spring, end quote. So bummer to all of the, uh, those of you out there, including myself, that were uh, hoping Malachi Nelson and Zach Branch would decommit from SC and go to A&M. Judging by those comments, Parker, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Boo! What a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Well... Just another Tuesday, Tyler. Another Tuesday with no good news. We need a commitment around here. Yeah, That's we do. what we need. We yeah. need some juice. We need some juice to inject into these fans' veins because it feels like it's been same old, same old for quite a while on the recruiting front. Does it have to be a 23 commit, or can it be a 24 commit? Like, will we just take any commit at this point? I mean, Listen, Cause I, I, I ask because I guess a 24 kid that we really haven't talked about all that much is committing on Friday – Four-star corner Caleb Beasley. LSU, Notre Dame, Tennessee, OU, and Clemson. He's committing this Friday night. I don't know what OU's chances are there. Yeah, but I wouldn't something. anticipate it being OU. In fact, like, and I have not really dug into the kids' recruitment uh, because that was just put out there today by Steve Wiltfong that Caleb Beasley's committing on Friday. But uh, based on timing, you would have to think it's Tennessee, right? He's from yes. Tennessee. And so as a Tennessee kid on the heels of Tennessee's enormous victory over Alabama last Saturday. He's ready to lock it in. Tennessee just got another 2024 commitment on Sunday. It would make all the sense in the world that the kid's going to be a volunteer. That's uh, They have a pretty strong recruiting pitch right now, don't they? Uh, yeah, it's like, yeah. hey, uh, did you see what it was like in Neyland Stadium? Yeah, that's what it's like to play in Neyland Stadium. And it's not always uh, like that in that place, but – Hey, if you can sell it right now, go ahead. Well, and Tennessee's all out there on the recruiting front. And like, here's here's what's scary to consider too. If Tennessee keeps winning and winning big, there's going to come a point in time at which it is like that every single Saturday at Neyland Stadium. Yeah, and then Tennessee could be a problem. Yeah, no, they 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 could be, but. Uh, that was a nice win for the Vols. Let's see if they can beat Georgia. May, they may not even have to beat Georgia, though, to make it to the college football playoff. I saw bold projections today, I think via 24-7, that had Georgia as the number one overall seed playing Tennessee, the four seed, in the Peach Bowl. Could you imagine a Georgia-Tennessee semifinal game in Atlanta at the Peach Bowl? Oh, my God, the place and the city might burn down entirely. That, right now, Tyler... And I know these things kind of take care of themselves and what we're speculating on happening midseason with the college football playoff generally never comes to fruition. But, like, right now, you play out the scenarios, there's a very viable path for the SEC to get three teams. Yes, there is. Yeah, and and I don't think that Ole Miss is going to be standing there at the end by any stretch. And for those of you out there looking for gambling picks, I do like LSU minus the one and a half to beat Ole Miss this weekend. But the point is Ole Miss is sitting there inside the top ten undefeated right now. The SEC has several candidates as it sits today that are in the college football playoff mix. So, yeah, there is a world where three SEC teams get in this thing. I hope that doesn't happen, but there is a world where that happens. Yeah, well, and that's here's, here's the thing. That's the flip side of the coin that nobody talks about as far as college football playoff expansion because you think college football is already top-heavy with SEC programs. You expand the playoff to 12 teams – 
The SEC is getting five or six in every oh, year. Sure. So there you go. Uh, Malachi Nelson locked into USC. I guess USC must have gotten the hint uh, earlier this summer, or the, the this summer when he, you know, took the visit to A and M, and we thought at the time, like, is this a signal to USC to get its act together? And we heard that their NIL program wasn't maybe as up to speed as we thought it was, or were led to believe, and. I'm sure USC took care of that situation once uh, Malachi Nelson took that visit to A&M. And like Sean says on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, poor Malachi Nelson, he'll never take a starting snap under Lincoln Riley. Which there's a scenario (laughs) where that's that's, definitely true. That may be true. (laughs) That's very realistic. Highly possible. Because Homeboy suffered his first loss, and the, uh, the critics were out, man. Whether it was former USC players like Lindale White saying, how do we allow that tight end to have over 200 yards? Are you kidding me? So, Mulesu's already uh, feeling the, the heat out I mean, there. Would it shock anybody if he, w- if he just spent two years at USC and then was off to the NFL as soon as Caleb Williams graduated? No. I, I think I've okay. been saying I that just, from the beginning. Yeah, glad glad, glad we're all on the same page That's going to happen. Text line, why is Colton Vosick so intrigued by a Texas team that could easily be 4-3 and three right now? Um, Arch Manning is really, you know, for everything that we say about Jackson Arnold being a great recruiter for OU in 2023, and all of that is true, by the way, it feels like Arch Manning is absolutely that guy for Texas. So he's got Arch recruiting him. He lives in Austin. His parents are Texas fans. Like, I get the point of what you're saying, what's attractive about Texas, but it's he's got a lot of people in that direction, you know, kind of trying to pull him towards Texas. That, that's, that's where it is. Yeah. Well, and this is what makes recruiting so difficult to cover is because with these types of situations, you never truly know how much of it is the kid's decision and how important the opinions of those closest to him are in the whole process because I'm trying to think of a, a real good recent example of somebody that I can point to as a player who's family okay Tristan Lee okay. for instance there we go everyone Tristan. gets a little shook when you say yes. Tristan Lee I, I did a little bit I got the the chills there bad memories Tristan Lee's mom wanted him close to home if it was 100% up to Tristan Lee is he at Clemson no probably not but mom wants to keep him close to home he stays close to home not every kid is going to do that though for every Tristan Lee, there's going to be a kid that's resolute and saying, nope, you know what? I don't care what y'all want. I'm going to do what's best for me. I'm going to do what I feel is best for me. I'm going to do what I want. And this is where I'm going to go, and nobody's going to change my mind on it. You could have said David Hicks, by the way. Well, by I also could have, I also could have said Ryan Yates. Too, <laughs> because, right. <laughs> uh, Ryan, yeah, as, as I mentioned on Monday when we came on the air, uh, there were a lot of people in Ryan Yates' circle that wanted him at LSU, which is what made that – situation so sticky for so long yeah well it, it, I, I think um I think when we talk about Colton Vosick it brings up an interesting conversation because you know people have been nervous now for several weeks that oh gosh are they going to be able to keep this recruiting class intact how do you do it who are you going to lose how many guys are we going to lose in this 23 class but as it sits right now Parker the only guy that I hear that fans are worried about is the guy that we just mentioned, Colton Vosick. Like, no other name, at least on the text line, is brought up about potential decommits or a guy that people are worried about. You hear rumors about Jackson Arnold, and sure, someone at Yo Pablo during the postgame show was yelling, 
Jackson Arnold's going to go to TCU, which I laugh at. There's no way in hell that that's going to happen. But no one outside Vosick, I don't think that there's a whole lot of concern that they're going to decommit and go elsewhere, as it sits today anyway. Well, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that nobody outside of Vosick is walking the visit policy tightrope right yeah, now. Yeah, true. So it makes sense. It tracks. Do we have a feeling on if Brent Venables is going to step in and uh, do anything here? I don't is know, it, man. Is, is something going like, to happen with this? I don't know, because again, like, what Venable's policy is not is it is not, okay, you visited another school, we're done here. Go commit somewhere else. You're not coming to Oklahoma. No, Brent Venables is still going to maintain the lines of communication with Colton Vosick. They're still going to actively recruit him to Oklahoma, but they're going to recruit him as if he wasn't committed. And they're going to recruit his position as if he wasn't committed. Now, right now, what that means is putting the full court press on Cecilia Kana, which the Sooners have been doing. And we'll continue to do. Text line says, with the kind of uncertainty of Colton Vossett, could OU possibly get back in on by Job, or is that too far gone? I wouldn't count on it. I wouldn't either. We haven't heard anything. You know, there, there's at least some other guys that have committed elsewhere where you kind of hear some rumors and whispers of, well, I mean, you know, maybe the conversation between the two parties have picked back up and – they're at least having some con- – I haven't heard any of that. And uh, honestly, I haven't checked in on that or really asked around, but I haven't heard anything about by Joe. Yeah, the kid seems very locked into Michigan State. And Mel Tucker did a really good job on him. Yes. And it seems like Michigan State's in on every – not every top uh, top defensive lineman, but they're, they're, they're in on several top defensive linemen with the pedigree that Mel Tucker's had on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, they're all but- over the place. And I think Mel Tucker is one of those rare coaches where he's charismatic enough and he's a dynamic enough recruiter that he's probably to a certain extent immune from the consequences of losing as far as recruiting is concerned because Michigan State's 3-4 and four right now. They're not playing great football. But that isn't going to take the – it's not going to tank the Spartans' class Yeah, if they keep struggling. Sam and Edmund says, how much longer on the Peyton Bowen situation? What other I'd safeties lo- are I, we after right wouldn't now? Wouldn't I love to know, Sam? <laughs> wouldn't I love to know? Because I've been – it feels like I've been sitting here for six months telling you all I'm so fed up with the Peyton Bowen situation, I just want it to be over. And it's hopefully going to be over soon. And then, lo and behold, it's not over soon. Well, maybe um, if we watch closely enough on ESPN2 Thursday night at 6 o'clock, we'll see uh, someone on the OU staff saying on the sideline, Parker, and maybe the camera will catch him saying, Peyton, are you in or not, dude? Like, what are we doing here? Right, we, ain't, we don't got any more time to waste here. Peyton, you, you in with this or are you not? You decommitting from Notre Dame? What are you doing here? That'd be a great audio clip to have. Maybe that's what will happen. Perhaps. Middle of the second quarter. Someone just asked him, what are you doing, man? Can we get an answer here, or can we move on to someone else? Yeah. Well, and (laughs) what makes this situation all the more tricky to judge is that Notre Dame, Texas A&M, and Oklahoma all have three losses right now. None of those programs are playing anything close to elite football. So it's not as if anybody has shot out in front as far as being the program that can make the most compelling on-field pitch to Peyton Bowen right now. Feels like OU won't land any of these kids, says the text line. Uh, How does people asking every freaking day about Peyton Bowen affect recruiting? 
Well, it hasn't affected it because we've been waiting now for about five and a half months for things to shift and change, and they really haven't just yet. And for five and a half months, people have been asking about it every day. This listener says, did you touch on Malachi Coleman? Yeah, he's not going to be a Sooner. Is he committing tomorrow? He's committing Saturday. He's committing Saturday. I I guess it's going to be Nebraska. I haven't talked to the kid in about a week, but as of last week, he was down to Nebraska or Georgia, which had just flipped his offer to cornerback. So... He's either going to go to Nebraska as a wide receiver or Georgia as a six foot five cornerback. So which would I, be wild. I, I am sure that this situation has existed before, um, but I don't remember Parker a top one hundred player that had received as little interest as Malachi Coleman had. Not little interest in terms of teams that have actually made contact with him, but teams that in the end have kind of said. Yeah, we're good. We're gonna go with a. We're gonna go in another direction here. It, it, it it's crazy, man. What he had that Miami visit scheduled a few weeks ago, and then maybe Miami said, "Eh, we're good on this one." Um, I e- even OU who needs a tight end. I mean, they're gonna need tight end production next year with what's leaving. Even they seemingly are saying, "We'll we'll go to the portal and get a guy." I just don't remember a top one hundred player like him, an Army All American Bowl participant that. Like his options are stay with the hometown team Nebraska or go play corner at Georgia. It's this is it's interesting. It's very bizarre. Got to be about makes, his frame. And what makes it even more bizarre is like there's no super conspicuous reason as to why that is. Like he's not a kid with off-field skeletons in his closet. Uh his grades are fine. Like everything about the kid on paper checks out. But for whatever reason, Seems like pretty much everybody has dropped out of this thing with the exception of Nebraska and Georgia. Yep. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. A lot to get into in the world of recruiting. We'll get an update on how the Cecilia Connor visit was. T.A. Cunningham and David Stone, they're out there. What did their crystal balls say? What did T.A. Cunningham recently say about the teams he's talking to the most? Is OU in that mix? We'll tell you that and more coming up next. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune, live on the ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans inside the Brown O'Haver studios today. Tyler McComas, Parker Thune. Where are they listening today, you ask? Oh, all over the country is normal. Indio, California. Really? You know anything about that oh, place? I, I used to spend quite a bit of time out there. My grandparents used to live there, so very familiar with Indio, well, California. Interesting. Okay. Aurora, Missouri. Did you used to spend time there? I uh, can't say no, that I okay. did. Okay, no. bummer. No. Lincoln, Nebraska. I, I've spent a good amount of time there. Las Cruces, New Mexico. Been through there once. Mableton, Georgia. Hey, oh, you just offered a kid from there. Indianapolis. Odessa, Texas. Go Mojo. In our small town of the day, Fairview, Oklahoma. At least I think Fairview uh, is counted as a small town here. I've never actually visited the town of Fairview before, but I'm just going to go ahead and say that it's it's the small town of the day. 
I know they're listening there at least. Okay. Fairview, Oklahoma. I'm currently vetting this to make sure that it falls within the parameters. Population, 2,579. Yes. Okay. Small town. Fairview, Oklahoma. Welcome to it. At some point, we're going to run out of small towns of the day. So I don't know if we're going to have we? to. I, well, I, we've been doing it now for like two months. <laughs> we've had a different one every single day. So maybe we won't. 405-651-3439 if you want to hit us up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Um, uh, hold up. Okay, oh. this is this is, this is is one we need to get to. Is this to. a Doug text? Here you guys go again. I just can't figure you guys out. Parker just said that a 3-4 and four Michigan State team doesn't need to worry about the recruiting class imploding, but yet we listen to you every day talk about how a 4-3 and three Oklahoma team needs to worry about losing recruits. Michigan State is safe, but OU is not. Please explain. Uh, at, at, am I losing it, Tyler, or have we said diametrically the opposite? Yeah, I, I mean, we've talked about Colton Vosick, and rightfully so, because, He's I mean, actions Texas. speak louder than words, right? I mean, he was at Texas, but, no, I, I just said last segment that outside of Colton Vosick, I don't feel like the fans are really worried about anyone else and that you shouldn't, you know, it doesn't feel like you should be worried about anyone else yeah, committing at this I, point. I'm pretty, sure I, I'm pretty sure I've spent the last three weeks telling people on the text line, please chill out. This class yeah. isn't going to fall apart. So, I don't know. Like First-time listener, maybe? I, I'm not sure. It, but. The text did say, still love the show. So, thank you very much for listening. Do appreciate that. Okay. Uh, back to the text line here. Let's see what else we've got. If Bowen goes elsewhere, will you never again say girlfriends are undefeated? <laughs> well, yes, because at that point, girlfriends will no longer be they undefeated. They will not be undefeated when that's the case. Indio, California is not a place you want to be in the summer. Yeah, Really it's hot. hot. It gets hot. It gets real hot. Uh, this listener says, no, you guys do insinuate that losses equate to losing offers. What? I, I, I'm not tracking. Like, here's the thing. Essentially, what we've said and the message that we've maintained on this show is that Oklahoma's recruiting class is going to hold together. And if I've, if, if I've said this line once, I've said it a thousand times, Tyler. Brent Venables and his staff have recruited the right people, not just the right players, but the right people. And the right people don't bail when the going gets tough. Yeah, no, I, I thought we've been uh, pretty consistent with that. And if you don't believe us, then I, I guess believe the kids. Derek LeBlanc was in town this weekend, and I think he said multiple times now that, nah, we good, we good, man. Uh, just got to get the players in. Uh, and, and this staff's good, man, and he seems like he's 100% committed. Uh, who else? Uh, Eric McCarty has said that. Jackson Arnold continues to be on campus. So, again, like – the only one that we're really, or that at least I'm like concerned with, is Colton Vosick right now. And maybe he still ends up on campus. That's a very real possibility. As things sit today, he is still a committed player. But it is interesting. He went to the Texas-Iowa State game at 11 a.m. on Saturday and sat with the, the other uh, recruits, right? Just a little just a little odd, a little weird. Yeah, I, again, if you're not concerned with that, I, I don't know what to tell you. You should be concerned. That type of thing should concern you. There's a reason we've spent so much time talking about the possibility of a Colton Vosick decommitment because right now I would say most would agree he is the most likely player that OU would lose in this class. And we're not saying it happens. We're not sitting here sounding the alarms. But if you evaluate the Colton Vosick recruitment and stack it up alongside each of the other 21 players that Oklahoma has committed – 
You should be a lot more worried about Vasek right now than anybody else. What are we doing today? Brandon Mustang says, why can't OU recruit well? Why can't they get higher than third or fourth ranked in the team rankings? <laughs> Think about who Brandon uh, and Mustang probably is, Tyler. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's probably exactly who Sarcasm. It is. Peyton um, Bowen is the new Cole Adams. That is, yeah, I, I feel like we've been talking, I don't know if we've been talking about Peyton Bowen longer than Cole Adams, but... The timelines uh, are very close to one another. Yeah, at this point, we have been talking about Peyton Bowen longer than we talked about Cole Adams. Uh, Peyton Bowen has officially surpassed Adams on the uh, total name drop. uh, I don't even know. Hierarchy? We've name dropped Peyton Bowen more times at this point than we've name dropped Cole Adams. Yeah, um, our, our top three are probably Peyton Bowen, Cole Adams, and David Hicks, and not necessarily in that order. This entire recruiting cycle. That's probably where we're at. Uh, 405-651-3439 if you want to chime in. Any news on Tassili Yakana? Yeah, I, I don't know if you've gotten to talk to him personally. I know that there was a story on OUinsider.com of just kind of some uh, some news about his visit, and it seems like it. Uh, was a was a very good visit. Now we're just kind of waiting for the A and M visit to happen here in a couple weeks. Is that the status with him? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, hey, he threw the horns down in the photo shoot. Nice. So, listen, I'm not saying that tells the whole story, but his sister goes to the University of Texas. If you're throwing the horns down, you're serious about it. Um, this listener asks, is there a timeline on Peyton Bowen's commitment by chance? Again, wouldn't I love to know? There's never really a timeline for decommits, you know? I mean, they just kind of happen. And, no, there's not really a timeline of when the, the, the random decommit might happen for Peyton Bowen. But if it does, Parker, it's going to uh, shake up the recruiting world in this here radio show, I guarantee you. And I would imagine that the Peyton Bowen decommitment is probably simultaneously followed with a commitment elsewhere. That's just my guess, though. Yes. Yes. He will not be on the open market for long, if any time whatsoever. Um, this listener asks, tell us about the three-star out of Nebraska that was at OU last week, and how big is he who else is recruiting him? Well, the player you're referring to actually isn't a three-star. He is a four-star. He is Carter Nelson of Ainsworth, Nebraska. I thought it was an eight-hour drive from Ainsworth to Norman. Tyler, I mapped it yesterday after we got off the air. It's actually a 10-hour drive. So Carter Nelson and his family traveled 10 hours after he played on a Friday night to be in Norman for an 11 a.m. kickoff. I don't know how they pulled that off, but it happened. He was in Norman, picked up the offer on Saturday. He is six foot five, two hundred and ten pounds. He is currently the number two hundred and nine overall player and number ten tight end in the twenty four seven sports composite for the class of twenty twenty four. His offer sheet right now consists of OU, Nebraska. Kansas State, Baylor, Iowa, Virginia Tech, Wisconsin, and a handful of others. So, the offer list is still very much expanding, but I can tell you this much. The OU staff loves them from Carter Nelson. Yeah. And this kid's athletic profile is tantalizing. He high jumps seven feet. Nice. Tyler. Okay. So. Hashtag athletic. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about a guy that has elite track numbers. Just elite overall athleticism. It's not just, he's not just a big body. Uh, he's freakishly athletic. He's fast. 
He's physical. He plays eight-man football up in small-town Nebraska, How can you which not is love fun. That? Like it's, how can you not love it's, it? Zayvon Collins, right? Yeah. Um, by the way, speaking of how much we've mentioned Peyton Bowen and how every time we mention his name you go, <sighs> and probably lose about six months off your life whenever we have to have a long conversation about him. I feel like there's a chance that T.A. Cunningham might be that guy for you in next year's class. Oh boy, don't <laughs> just, speak that evil just, upon just me, a, Tyler. Just a hunch here. Uh, really good defensive lineman in the 2024 class. I saw a comment by him. Apparently the teams that he's talking to the most right now, and he's got a who's who's offer list up to this point. T.A. Cunningham says he's uh, talking the most to Tennessee, uh, to USC, to Penn State, to Michigan State, to Miami, and to OU. Now, I think both T.A. Cunningham and David Stone have OU crystal balls in right now. Yes. Uh, I would feel a lot better about David Stone ending up at OU than I would T.A. Cunningham. Highly concur. Uh, I will say this. You mentioned Tennessee for T.A. Cunningham. And I this isn't specific to that recruitment, but... Man, we mentioned it earlier in the show. If Tennessee keeps winning, that program's going to do some damage on the recruiting trail. They are going to start to clean up. Even when Butch Jones was there, like early on in his uh, coaching tenure, and this is pre-NIL, which, by the way, Tennessee is, it sounds like they're very heavy on NIL. Well, Nico Lamalieva, of course they're heavy on NIL. But even pre-NIL, when they had Butch Jones, they were uh, they were recruiting at a high level, man. So Tennessee is a program that I think can routinely recruit inside the top eight if they've got things going. But they have to get you know have things going for that, that to be the case. And here's the thing, that program is going to be I, I I don't know how much people are going to hate Tennessee, how much they're going to start hating that program if they start winning consistently. But they are going to be fun to watch the next few years. Great thing about Tennessee is they literally hate everybody. They're rivals with Georgia. They're rivals with Bama. They're rivals with Kentucky. They're rivals with Vanderbilt. Uh, I think they're even a rival with South Carolina. Tennessee just hates everyone, and I think everyone hates them. So uh, they play the villain role quite well if it gets to it. It gets to that. That is going to be a really fun football team in the next three to four years because Nico Iamaleava – that is a fun quarterback, man. He can sling the rock. And he put some elite skill position guys around him, which Tennessee will do. And you continue to recruit at an elite level on defense, which Tennessee has done in this 2023 cycle. I, I, I'm not trying to put them in the playoff conversation prematurely, especially not long-term. But Tennessee is – like you're starting to see the inklings of a championship foundation in Knoxville. It just comes down to being able to sustain it. 405-651-3439 is the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Yes, Sooner Gary. Ron L. Lewis did play eight-man football at Dewar. Go Dragons. A pretty good football player for Oklahoma. Uh, the Hammer is what uh, Ron L. Lewis's nickname was when he was here. The Hammer. And he was uh, pretty much unstoppable in small-town uh, Oklahoma football there at uh, Dewar, Oklahoma. More to come next. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homeless Sooner fans.
Locked in with McComas and Thune. Live here on The Ref, we are the Homeless Sooner fans. OU fans uh, maybe felt a little bit confused recently. At least those who uh, follow David Hicks on Instagram. Because he posted an Instagram story of Derek LeBlanc in his OU uniform. Does that mean anything whatsoever? Just supporting a friend, Derek LeBlanc? What does it mean, Parker Thune? Again, I'd, I want to approach this very delicately because I don't want to get people's hopes up in any capacity. But the door is not 100% closed between DJ Hicks and OU. Does BV at least have a foot in the door? Does he even have that? Is that is it the door even that much open? He has a toe in the door. Mm, just a toe. There's a toe in the door. Don't get your ex- like. I don't want people to have expectations based on me saying that. Okay, I'm just saying. All I'm telling you is that the lines of communication between DJ Hicks and Oklahoma are not thoroughly shut down. That is all I'm saying right now. Which I find interesting. If the reasons he committed for Texas A&M are the reasons that um, I think that they probably were to still have an open line of communication with OU is, um, I, I don't know if it's telling, but I definitely think it's it's something there, Parker. You know, I mean, if NIL was really the reason why you committed to A&M and that's why you made your decision to play for Jimbo, then why are you keeping open lines of communication with OU? Does that does that mean that there's a second guessing of the decision that was made a few weeks ago? Well, I don't know. Potentially. I, and look, I said it the day after DJ Hicks committed when we all were kind of picking ourselves up off the collective mat uh, after that bombshell dropped. The day that he committed, I, I, I am comfortable asserting that DJ Hicks was more comfortable himself with Oklahoma than he was with Texas A&M. And you watched that ceremony. Everybody who watched that ceremony kind of walked away with the exact same sentiment, right? Which is that something's not completely right here. It it, it wouldn't shock you. It wouldn't wouldn't have shocked anybody who was watching that announcement if you'd told them that DJ Hicks' commitment to Texas A&M isn't going to stick. Because there was just a strange, real unsettling vibe about the whole thing. And so, again, he probably still signs with Texas A&M. I'm not going to sit here and say he's going to be back on the open market anytime soon because I don't know that for a fact. There's no tangible empirical data to suggest uh, that that is the case, no intel to support that notion. But if you're just reading the tea leaves at face value here, you would be inclined to believe that maybe just maybe this thing isn't 100% over. Sure. Um, Sooner Soldier has a question about kind of the, the team side of things. If Dylan Gabriel stays next year, does Jackson Arnold beat him out for QB1? If your answer is no because he will be a true freshman, uh, then when does your grade status become more important than talents? So Gabriel, I believe, will be back next year. Yep. I also believe he will be the starting quarterback next year as well. Um, because here's kind of the situation as it sits right now for Dylan Gabriel. I, I feel like the, the, like the overall leader of the offense, like, okay, whose offense is this? Well, I, I think it's Dylan Gabriel's because he is the starting quarterback, but clearly Braden Willis is that guy too. I mean, he is one of the big leaders on this team, if not like the overall leader of the entire football team. With Braden Willis being gone next year, like this really, 
I think, sets up to be Dylan Gabriel's team heading into next season, Parker. And if he plays anywhere remotely close the final five regular season games the way that he did on Saturday, I don't think that there's going to be any question as to who the starting quarterback is going to be next year. No. And listen, here's, here's what people need to understand. If and when Dylan Gabriel is starting over Jackson Arnold next year, it isn't an indication that your grade means more than your talent level. Because, and look, Jackson Arnold is a very gifted quarterback. I'm not trying to take anything away from him because you can't really take anything away from him. He might be the best quarterback in an overall sense in this entire cycle. But what's important to keep in mind here is something that I've said repeatedly on this show over the last few weeks as this conversation has amplified, which is it is altogether rare in today's day and age for quarterbacks to come in and play and start and make an impact as true freshmen. I don't care how good they are. Bryce Young didn't play as a true freshman, Tyler. Bryce Young, within a month and a half, could be the second repeat Heisman Trophy winner in the history of the sport. And he didn't play over Mac Jones sure. as a true freshman. So, if your expectation is that Jackson Arnold is going to come in and from the get-go be the starter, be the guy, supplant Dylan Gabriel, might I suggest that your expectations are too high? Yeah, uh, that's just, and I don't think that this staff is going to put in a true freshman quarterback for a year next year that's going to be pretty critical, Parker. Like we'll, we'll see how this season, like how it ends up. But if they're 8-4, and four, like clearly that's a step back from what a lot of people thought that they were going to be this year. Year two is critical to get back into a situation where you're playing for and winning a conference championship, and your odds are a lot better with Dylan Gabriel next year then it's going to be with the true freshman quarterback in Jackson Arnold. And I said maybe in the final five games that he plays at a level where it demands he's the starting quarterback next season. Maybe he's already done that. Like, listen to the numbers. He's 114 of 175. He's got 1,600 uh, yards, over 1,600 yards, 13 touchdowns, one interception. Now, I know the play hasn't always been great, and he's missed on a handful of throws here and there. But for the most part, the numbers are pretty good. And he was really good on Saturday. Like I, I think that maybe even up to this point, Parker, he's already played a level to where you say, yeah, he's our starting quarterback going into 2024. I'm, I'm really starting to think that there's never going to be a question or even a competition for the starting quarterback position next year. And that includes Jackson Arnold. That includes Nick Evers. That includes whoever they were to get in the transfer point. Well, and here's my thing. I'm starting to feel like there's going to come a point in time at which a certain percentage of the OU fan base is never satisfied with the quarterback play. Because to be honest, let's say, let's enter a parallel universe. Let's enter an alternate reality in which Jackson Arnold is the starting quarterback at Oklahoma next year. If he puts up statistically exactly what Dylan Gabriel has over his first, what, five, six starts as a Sooner, the national media, I promise you, is going to be touting Jackson Arnold as true freshman of the year in college football. Sure. But, <laughs> apparently, still not good enough for OU fans. So, 
or I shouldn't I shouldn't paint with too broad a brush. Still not good enough for some of these OU fans. Yeah, well, this staff is just not. Again, next year is a really big year for the program. It's a really big year for the staff. They're going to be looking for a bounce back year, trying to get to double digit wins. If they don't figure out a way to do it this year, which they're going to have to win out to do that. They're not just going to say, all right, let's ride with true freshman Jackson Arnold. And that's not us saying that he's not a good player. He's a really good player. Parker just said that, you know, all things considered, he might be the best quarterback in this 2023 class. But that doesn't mean that he's going to start next year. And and somebody asked earlier on the text line, who's better between Nico and Jackson Arnold? And you can't issue a blanket answer to that question because they're very different. And – it, it depends on the system that you put them in. For Jeff Lebby's system, there's not a question, not a doubt in my mind. Jackson Arnold is better suited for it. But here's the thing. If what your system is, is simply let the quarterback sit in the pocket and be a freaking gunslinger, Nico Yamaleava is as good as it gets in this 2023 cycle. Because, look, he's... <laughs> and he's physically very different from Arnold. He's tall, like over 6'5", super wiry, super thin, but he has an absolute whip of an arm. Velocity, accuracy, like the arm talent for Nico is off the charts. So if your system calls for the quarterback to just sit in the pocket and deliver, Nico's the guy, and he's tailor-made for that system. But if you're doing something that's a little bit more multiple offensively, and creates different looks, uh, relies on the RPO significantly the way that Jeff Levy's offense does, Jackson Arnold is a very, very good fit. And that's why he's going to be so successful at Oklahoma. What happened to Kobe McKenzie that's from the 405? I mean, he's on the team. He's just redshirting. He was just a guy that wasn't ready to contribute this year. Allegedly redshirting. We'll see. If they lose another linebacker. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're talking about number – yeah, after the Shane Witter injury. If Deshaun White gets hurt or David Aguebu gets hurt – all of a sudden, Jaron Kanick is your starter at one of those linebacker positions, yeah. and you're going to need Kobe McKenzie. And Kim as Rose. of right now, he's redshirting, but as Parker says, yes, numbers-wise, we'll see where they're at here as we move forward. Uh, one more, asking what the non-conference schedule is next year. You open with Arkansas State at home. You got SMU at home in Week 2, and then you're at Tulsa. So a drastically different-looking non-conference schedule after you remove the Georgia game at home and replace it with the SMU game at home. The Georgia game was going to be a real measuring stick game for this program to kind of yeah. see where you are, and now um, you play SMU at home instead. And I, I think that there's definitely some OU fans saying, good. I mean, I, the Georgia game at home would have been a lot more fun. It's a bigger draw, more of a national audience with that game, but would you have maybe been it's ready a good for thing. That. Right, yeah. yeah, exactly. 405-651-3439. Bob Stoops joins the rush coming up at 320. We'll close up Locked In coming up next. Elite Roofing Systems bringing you this hour of Locked In, EliteRoofOK.com for more information there. So Ari Wasserman uh, said this of The Athletic today. Tell me what you think. This is on the uh, commitment policy that OU has that we're all too familiar with, right? And on the conversation of what seemingly everyone wants to talk about, which is uh, Colton Fossick when it comes to OU recruiting. He says, Oklahoma fans may run to the comments and rip me apart, like they did during the summer, 
because Venables moved on from some commitments earlier in the cycle and replaced them with higher rate of players. It worked out then, sure, but as time progresses and more examples of this can hurt you keep popping up because, believe it or not, teenagers tend to change their minds about things. It'll become clear that this is an unsustainable policy. Basically, all that to say he thinks that his commitment policy is unsustainable as things move forward. Okay, so I'm sorry. I've already spaced. Who was it that tweeted Ari this? Wasserman. Well, he didn't tweet it. It was in like a mailbag thing oh, on The okay. Athletic. Well, does anybody listen to that guy? Uh, no. Uh, and the only reason I brought it up because of that uh, interesting point about uh, the commitment policy. Yeah. Here we he's, are again talking about it. He's not quite in the Ian Boyd tier, but he's verging on that territory. I mean, there just hasn't been a whole lot of decommits from this policy, so I think it's way too early to say yeah, that it's going to be unsustainable. I guess there's been one, one Ashton Cozart, one. that's it. DeAndre Moore decommitted because the OU staff decided they didn't want him. The only uh, decommit that's come as a byproduct of this policy is Ashton Cozart. And Ashton Kozar tried to get back into the boat. Yep, yes he did. Point. Yes he did. Conspiracy theory on Colton Vosick says the text line. He has always been a Texas plant, making us think he was committed to OU up until signing day. OU stops recruiting his position and gets stuck with the short straw on an elite defensive line class. Now that is a conspiracy theory. That is out there, man. And look, am I going to say there's a 0% chance? No, because there's never... There's never a 0% chance of anything in recruiting, but I'd be very surprised if that were the case. You'd figure somebody would have caught on by now. If not the OU staff, then definitely one of Vosick's peers. He's very close with Samuel Masigo as well, and Omasigo is as high character, as straight shooter as they come. So I, I would figure that if there's anybody that Vosick's being transparent with, it's probably Sammy, and Sammy's not one to – mess around and deal with any of that BS. Recruiting winners and losers over the weekend, according to 24-7. The Illinois fighting Illini with Brett Bielema. They're a winner because they won again on the field. They beat Minnesota on Saturday. Illini are rolling right now. Uh, Florida was a big loser this weekend. They do have the number eight overall class, and they are charging up. But they're like three and eight in their last 11 SEC games, which is interesting. Yeah, they're going to have a top five class. Georgia is a winner. They got a 2024 quarterback. TCU is a winner, yes. Uh, they are in on some highly ranked kids, no doubt. I, even like a five-star prospect I thought I saw today. And a loser is Penn State yeah. because the they way, lose again. Illinois looks legit, man. That's been fun. It's been a fun football team to track. And shout-out to Illinois' quarterback commit in the class of 2023, my homie from Ardmore, Cal Swanson. Former, uh, no, that's he is at Indiana, actually. I was about to say former Sooner Brandon Shelby is at Illinois. He is at Indiana. Ah, but Brett Bielema. It would be interesting to see uh, how hot of a commodity he is during this offseason if the Illini can keep it rolling. They might win the Big Ten West. It could be Ohio State or Michigan against Illinois in the Big Ten championship game. How entertaining would that be? Anybody can win the Big Ten West in any given year. It wouldn't shock me at all. Rush coming up next.